All right, episode 62 of Underemployed. Welcome back. It's your boys, David Hart and Jack Selby, a.k.a. the Summer G's. We are coming to you live from Richmond, the city of dreams, capital city, bright lights, big city, city that never sleeps, windy city, uh, city of angels, city of seven hills, city of gators, city of lobster rolls, you know, just, oh, yeah. All of just Richmond things. things. Uh, David, I haven't. We have not gotten to do many episodes in the summer. How has your summer been going overall? Uh, summer's been good. Uh, I guess the last episode we did was the Q and A, and that was a few weeks ago. Skype. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been to Maine this summer. I played in a, a tournament with Bethany's brother up there. We got second overall. Um, had a good old time. Mm-hmm. Um, How was Maine? Maine was gorgeous. Absolutely yeah. lovely. Uh, Seventy degrees. Top mm. during the day, no humidity. Mm. Uh, Mid fifties at night. Mm. So like, you know, preach jeans and a sweatshirt oh. in in June was lovely. You know what's funny? This summer by numbers hasn't even been extremely hot. It's just been so fucking muggy. It's just been muggy every day, and then we've just been going through a, a heat wave, like you know, a, a couple of heat waves. We were talking before we went on the air about how David had we. Had we had talked think, about going to a baseball game, yeah. and then the next week was when it was like 110 heat index. the heat index. And so I told David, I was like, you know what? I'm going to not address it. If David says, hey, can, are we still on for the baseball game? I'd be like, yes. But also, if David doesn't bring it up... Uh, we no harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. I was like, I will gladly just stay inside. And we no harm, no foul. That one... Yeah, Bethany and I stayed in that weekend. Yeah, same, same here. We, we, made I was a, like, we made a pointed, conscious effort. To, like, I went out and I played pickup. Actually, I, I think I skipped pickup that day. Yeah. Uh, on Friday, but like we just stayed inside. I think I, I don't remember if I went out and did anything. I might have. Oh no! In fact, I did. So the station had our lemonade promo, which every year we right outside the station on Broad Street we have you know an event where we get money from people on the street for lemonade helps raise money for uh children's cancer uh, anti- is, it, uh is it the alex's lemonade stand no that's different although I, I did take a part in that years ago as you know um no this was for uh lemonade aid okay. um and so we did that and it was great i loved doing it it was really fun uh we got to be interviewed on tv which was also cool because uh didn't think seems a bit circle jerky okay look they needed they needed an interview, Shameless and I said self promotion. And I said, you know me, I was on TV for a year in the Mid Ohio Valley. I could do this. Um, award winning. Award winning. Well, award winning TV. It, I will I will actually point out before I give this story. When I won the award for producing uh, the AP the AP award for producing at uh, at the Parkersburg station, uh, I was not on the air that day because we had so much stuff to do that I didn't have time to do my traffic hits. So in fact, the, my uh, subtraction was addition. Some would argue, but hard to imagine the Mid Ohio Valley needs that many traffic hits. That was one of the reasons. Well, I mean, there are other reasons we won't get into, but that was also a big reason why they went away after a while because they said, "Look, do we really need this?" And uh, traffic answers. clear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had to come up with new ways to say there's no traffic in Parkersburg at 6:02 in the morning. Um, but so the lemonade program was great, and actually, Callista and I, one of our producers, we had a fan behind us, which was a godsend. But that was that weekend. That was that Friday, and it was it was hot. It's so damn hot. And so the lemonade part helped because people actually probably wanted lemonade. Uh, and it does, certainly does not help that your neighborhood is. 
a heat island. Yeah, an infamous heat island. Yeah, Scott's edition. If you don't know, David even can explain Scott's edition better than I can. But like, Scott's edition historically has been a warehouse district for shipping and receiving because of the proximity to trains mm -hmm. and highways. So it was a major hub for those things, and uh, because of that, there is not really any tree cover within the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so now that people, you know, live in it and spend time in it on the weekends, Scott's Edition is something like eight to ten degrees hotter on average than the rest of the city. It, it would make sense because, like David said, it's just buildings, so it's, it's very just buildings and no tree, no shade cover. Right. So it's it becomes a scorcher here, and I mean, I kind of I love Scott's Edition, but yeah, that part just why I, I moved here in the beginning of May. So I've just been getting pretty much nothing but uh, heat. heat. And then, yeah, and then the, you know, the, other, the other part of it is because it's all uh, brick and cement buildings, those buildings retain that heat. And yeah. so it is, it radiates heat even into the middle of the night. Yeah. Which is hard if you're me and you sleep from 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Like, that's prime. But I do have blackout curtains now that take out a lot of the heat and... Um, yeah. I will also say one of the thing, great things about living in my building specifically is I know someone else from the station who lives here and he pointed out that this used to be an old office building. Mm -hmm. So the walls are extremely thick. Yep. So I don't have any issue hearing my neighbors, which is great. I didn't really have that issue in Parkersburg either. Um, you had just neighbors? Technically above and, <laughs> above and below. Those are actually pretty good apartments for those Parkersburg. Great. Jack's apartment in Parkersburg was outstanding. Nine, I always say 900 square feet, and I'll say now because I don't live there anymore, $600 a month rent. Hiya! Uh, for some, for some uh, when I tell people how little I made. With a fireplace and three walk-in closets. Yes. Four actually walk-in. Uh, oh, no, three. You're right. Three walk-in closets and four total closets. Yeah. Um, a lot of space I didn't need in that sense, but yes. But I, I tell people all the time when I tell them how little I made at my first job, which is just the nature of what I did, um, the, the fact that I had a 900 square foot apartment for $600 a month in downtown Parkersburg, I'm using air quotes. Uh, and you were in, you were in, in downtown, downtown Parkersburg, Parkersburg yeah. it's just downtown Parkersburg is nothing to write home about. Right, it, it has seen better days. The only, you know what, I, as we said on the podcast before, a uh, shout out to the Parkersburg Brewery, which- Yeah, the Parkersburg Brewing Company. 2016 they built it so it's it's not like an old mainstay that's like it was actually built in recent times and I was like this is that's always my go-to spot uh dates friends family always went there it was good also it was you know a four minute walk from my apartment also so that's that probably the, the reason closest restaurant. but um yeah. but yeah it was the closest thing that wasn't a 7-eleven meanwhile in Scott's edition I can go out and I can go like oh there's a dozen places I can go to that's within you know five you've, five minutes you've got two Beard Award nominated chefs working at restaurants within the neighborhood. Yeah. Over at Brenner Pass and at uh, Long Island. I even know, I was saying to David too before we went on the air, like that I've been going out a lot with coworkers, which has been a lot of fun. That we, you know, there's a bunch of spots downtown mm -hmm. too, and but we like Scott's Edition too. You know, bingo's a common space because, you know, get drinks, get food, and then you can play a game of pool. Yeah. Shoot, uh, What's the basketball game? Pop, pop, a, pop a shot, yeah. Um, which I need to get my form better at. I'm, I'm not. Go better. underhand. You want, uh, the old, you want backspin on the ball. The old Rick Barry, okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. Backspin so that it, when it hits the backboard, it immediately just goes down. All right, so I want to. I, I think Dave and I at some point too will play a game of pop a shot, and then we'll tell you people how we did on the podcast. I don't want to say it's for bragging rights, but I do want to say if I beat you, I know I'm going to be bragging unnecessarily about beating you. Yeah, but you're not going to beat me. I guess the, the gauntlet has been laid. Uh, we will do that at some... We'll get Bethany involved, too. We, we have, at this point, we have a litany of athletic feats. 
that we have to do. What were some of the others we've been talking about? Okay, so let's give some context to that. So, David, I can't remember this was when David said, at some point in the history of the podcast, he either said on or off the air, David has said he is more athletic than me. And I'm normally not that much of a cheeso guy, but I said, David, I know you play a little bit. No, I, I, it's not even so much that I, Jack is, Jack is stronger than me. Jack is in better shape than me, but there are certain things that I think I do better than Jack. One of them being running and sprinting. Yes. Now, I disagreed with that because I, at one point in my life, was running a 530 something mile on a treadmill. So I was like, okay, we could extrapolate that to short distance running. Um, I would have to stretch for a while. My lower back's not in great shape, but... You know, That's the thing. Mine is. Mm, you might have that advantage over me. Give me some time to stretch again. Give me some, you know. But at some point, Dave and I are going to do either a 100-yard dash or a 40-yard uh, 40. dash. Or, okay. You don't think we can make it to 100? No, I don't think either of us is making it to 100 <laughs> full speed. So. I could do 70. 70 is the length we'll call, of the You know what? We'll call 40. We'll, 70 is we'll, the length of an ultimate field, so I yeah. can do 70. I just don't need to run for it. So at some point in the future, and Bethany, again, since you're an executive producer, I know you're listening, uh, we, you will be the judge. You will be keeping time and everything. Uh, we will have this race. We will compete with each other. Just, again, for fun bragging rights. Just two old buds. No real anger. No real genuine, no. you know. No. I, do I want to win? Yeah, it'd be fun to win. Do I need to win? I, I need to win, but I don't need to win. Am I never going to sleep? Soundly knowing that I lose to him? Probably. <laughs> Am I going to call David sometimes at 3 in the morning when I have a break at work and say, Hey, David, remember when I beat you? I am not going to pick up the phone. Okay, well. I'm what going if, to be sound asleep. Can you imagine if I were in an actual emergency and I needed to call you at 3 in the morning and you didn't pick up because you thought I was bragging about No, I'm just, it's not even because I think you were bragging. It's because I would sleep through it. Damn. I mean, I have my phone on Do Not Disturb when I sleep because I sleep at weird hours. But I don't you have could that. I just sleep through things. Damn. I've slept through an earthquake, so I can... I can appreciate that. Yeah. Not a big earthquake, but an earthquake nonetheless. The Virginia earthquake, never forget. That one, I, so that one I didn't sleep through, but I will say, uh, that one I was, it was actually my first day of class at Nova. Mm. I think my first day of class. It was my first day of French class. Yeah. And oddly enough, even though I'd never really been in an actual earthquake, I did realize immediately like, oh, this is an earthquake. And we all just, my favorite thing is whenever in an emergency they tell you to calmly leave a building and everyone's flight or flight kicks in at the exact same time and goes, no, we gotta leave. Like, yeah, we're in the third story of a building, we gotta leave. I was doing, I was, it was day one of orientation training and I was walking up a flight of stairs in a building on campus that is now, I'm turning into an academic building, uh, and I just heard the window, very large window, shaking. Which at that point, like, Okay, and then I saw the, the large chandelier overhead me, over, over, overhead swaying, and I was like, oh, this is an earthquake. Yeah, because the window shaking, you're like, okay, there's a car with bass going by yeah, or something exactly. weird. Or... Oh, there's a large truck. Yeah, and then the, the chandelier shaking, and I'm like, oh, we need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, so you also hauled ass out of that building, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same. I remember I did have to sneak back in to get my backpack, and I don't think we were kind of supposed to, but a couple of people had, and I was like, well, I'm just gonna go home. I'm assuming class is canceled for the day, it was. Yeah. Um, my favorite part about that was that the Washington, not the the joke about the structural damage, but the Washington Monument got shut down for another four years while they were whatever. Yep, because it did get shifted. That also goes back to childhood. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but David, my family and David's family, on more than one, at least twice, more than one occasion, tried to go to the Washington Monument in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. and guess what? It was closed 
for repairs. Like, uh, unscheduled repairs. If you don't, if you're not from D.C., if you, or I should say, if you're from the D.C. area, you can kind of appreciate the fact that the Washington Monument for most of my conscious lifetime has just seemingly been under repair and being yep. repaired. Yep. Um, Still never been up it. <laughs> I haven't either because every time we tried to do it and say, oh, here's a cool... Well, I, I didn't make it to the Lincoln Memorial until I was 18. That's the other thing. I think... I'm sure it's like this in New York and Chicago and L.A. and other big cities. Maybe a little different in L.A. because there's like a lot of its mountains and stuff. But if you live in those cities, you're not necessarily doing the touristy stuff yeah. just because you take it for granted. Like, oh, yeah, that's the Washington Monument. It's the Lincoln Memorial. I mean... I would I've like done some of the touristy stuff. Like I've done a DC duck tour. I've done, um, and I need to do a tour of the Capitol. My dad gave me one. It was, that was around January, right? Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yes. Oh, that. Oh. January Wait. January fourth, twenty twenty. Weird bit of time. You need to cutty. But anyway, uh, episode sixty-two of Underemployed. I am now issuing, issuing the Mark McGuire challenge for 62. Now, if you don't remember, everyone remembers that Mark McGuire hit 62 homers, hit his 62nd homer in 1998 to break Roger Maris's record. Mm-hmm. Of course, he broke when he hit 70, got broken years later by Barry Bonds, true American hero. Um, when Mark McGuire broke the record, it was on national TV on Fox. True American pin. Um, I'm going to ignore that. And when Mark McGuire hit his 60-second homer, it was on Fox against the Chicago Cubs, and it was a Tuesday night, and yet 43 million people watched that game. So we are now issuing the Mark McGuire Challenge. Here we are on Tuesday night. We are getting, we are trying to get 43 million listeners to this podcast. So you have to tell your friends, your family, your friends, at this rate, your enemies, and we, by the end of the year, want 43 million people of you to have listened this to this This is like Amway, but nobody has to buy in. Exactly. You need to get seven friends to get seven friends. And now, if you do, uh, we will reward you guys by uh, thanking you on air. I don't know. I'm not going to get a monetary gift for 43 million people. Um, tell you what. If we get 43 million listeners to episode 62, David will buy one of you a sandwich and he'll get a beer from his line of work. Sure. Okay. And it's not going to be a big... It's not going to... Don't get stupid. It's not going to be like a party-sized hoagie. It's, it's you know, a sandwich. You can have a sandwich, but it'll be a sandwich. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll buy one lucky listener a sandwich. Yes. All right, so here. spread the word. Get the word out. Get the lead out. We can do this if we believe hard enough in ourselves. Or if we buy some bots. <laughs> if that's something else we should start investing in to get our numbers up. <laughs> <laughs> we should look into that just so we can do that. I did want to mention, um, I wanted to shout out Bill Russell who passed. Bill Russell, I'm, I'm sure most listeners at least have a past idea of who Bill Russell is. Uh, 11 titles and 13 Bill years. The, Bill Russell was one of two guys who I would use as an argument when you have the rings discussion about who's the greatest NBA player of all time. Because then it would be obviously Bill, Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Yeah. But also through that transitive property, uh, Derek Fisher is a better player than LeBron James. Exactly. Um, well, Derek Fisher did win five with the Lakers, and LeBron's only won one, so some would argue he is better than LeBron. But Certainly yeah. a better Laker. He is a, yeah. I can't even make that argument as much as I love Derek Fisher. I can't even say that with a straight face. Um, I can. <laughs> I love Derek Fisher. Um, plus, he gave us one of the great all-time stars. Not to get too sidetracked from Bill Russell, but Derek Fisher gave us one of the all-time great moments in the last seven years, eight years. Do you remember the story with him and Matt Barnes? 
Um, wasn't Derek Fisher sleeping with Matt Barnes' wife? Yeah, so he, sleeping with his, his ex-wife, to be his fair. Ex-wife, okay. um, and but then Matt Barnes drives to Derek Fisher's house. 90 miles. To try and fight him. Yeah. Um, fortunately, he didn't. Uh, the kid was... Matt Barnes' kid, who he had with the wife, uh, was in there. Um, fortunately, no, no one came to blows. Uh, definitely not a cool look to go and try and beat somebody up. Uh, but Derek Fisher just had some not great moments himself. So, you know what? It was a fun moment. Kanye referenced it on a song. It's immortalized forever. I'm about to drive 90, 90 miles like Matt Barnes just to whoop a nigga ass. Yeah, I, I, I've told the story, I think, to David a couple times, and I posted about it on Facebook when Bill Russell died. But I actually met very briefly, I met Bill Russell. So, in 2001, the All-Star Weekend was in D.C., and my dad, bless his heart, took me to... Pretty much all the week. He didn't take. We, we couldn't go to the All Star game itself, but we went to like Fan Fest, the rookie game, the dunk contest, the three point contest, all that stuff, and which was amazing. As, as as a kid who like lived and breathed the NBA, that was so fun. And we're walking the hallways of the then MCI Center. Hard to believe that DC hasn't had uh, an NBA All Star game since. I agree because it's a it's a big city. I think what I heard was that when it came here, here when it came to DC, that it just was poorly run. Similar things about the Las Vegas All-Star Game a few years later, that that was... I could see why that maybe deterred them. Yeah. But I also... That goes to another discussion, as I famously, again, get off track, but of why DC isn't treated more like a major market in sports. Um, that's another discussion we can get into, but... Um, but I Because mean, outside of the Capitals, the, the teams have been consistently mediocre for the majority of our lives. The Wizards, certainly. Um, and the Commanders... Also, have in our lifetime have been mediocre. The Nats won a World Series, so they got some yeah, love. But, but yeah, but the the Nats have more losing seasons than yeah. they have winning yeah. seasons. And we'll put a pin in the Nats for just a sec. But so I, I we were walking the hallway, and I mean I'm eight years old, but I, I we recognized me. Oh, it's Bill Russell walking by. Um, and I just stopped. We actually stopped briefly. We were able to shake his hand, and I said, I don't know why I sound like a New Yorker, but as I said, Bill, you the man. Like as an eight year old, I was like, I don't know what else to say to Bill Russell. But I was like, this is Bill fucking Russell. <laughs> like it's really cool. And Bill had, the, I believe, Bill laughed and he enjoyed it, and you know, shook my dad's hand. My dad grew up a Laker fan who had to watch them lose six times to the Celtics in the finals. It was hard, but he loves and admires Bill Russell. So that was a cool moment. Um, and it's it's weird too. And I don't know if it's this way with soccer and hockey. But when I was growing up, the NBA was still such a young sport. No, it still is. Because yeah. somebody pointed out on Reddit that Bill is, I think, only the sixth... Fifth MVP. Fifth MVP who's died. And one of them's Kobe, which is a yeah. fluke, weird yeah. thing. And But when I was growing up, I started watching in 99, 2000. And Will Chamberlain had just died. Yeah. And he was only the second of like the 50 greatest players to have died. Mm-hmm. And Pete Maravich had a heart attack at 40 in 1988. And that everyone was alive. And now... In my life, I've seen all the greats start to go. Like Bob Cousy, who was the point guard in those Celtics teams, just turned 94 today. And you're like, well, Bob, Bob Cousy's be- talking spicy about J.J. Redick. Oh, yeah, because he was like, yeah, you know, we had these rules, J.J. Like, yeah, it was tough. You know, I, there, there are some, obviously the athletes today are better, but I also was like, yeah, they also played for $12,000 a year and couldn't palm the ball at all. Like, yeah. you know, shit was hard for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 I'm glad I got the memory of meeting Bill Russell. And then my dad, a couple weeks later, went to a book signing and got the book signed for me, which was really cool. So shout out to them. Um, I think the, so, so we did talk about the, we brought, you brought up the Nats. I know you wanted to briefly talk about the craziness that was kind of like the Juan Soto trade, so, which has been impacting everything. As somebody who was, you know, been paying attention to 
that going on um, just from a I've been paying attention to, to how things operate at Nats Park just from a, a industry perspective mm -hmm. um, as you know somebody who used to sell product there it was five alarm fire for me that like oh this team is going to be garbage this year when before May they're already running um, you know buy a beer get a free hot dog promos mm -hmm. or like you know free hot dog and beer with purchase of four tickets promo packs and they're running them in April yeah that's how you know the team is not going to be good right and I figured it's a down year Soto's yeah. you know they're gonna they're gonna negotiate with Soto they're not gonna let a second generational talent yeah. walk from the team he, and four months later they've let a well, second generational he, talent walk from the team in three years yeah so he started in 18 yeah and then one helped them win the world series in 19 i, I he could have won world series mvp he was that good yeah 20 21 and then half of 20 so He's middle of fifth year like and he's 23 yeah you know yeah and what was weird to me was it's sort of baseball a lot of times now feels like this perpetual game of just hoping like you have you have a Juan Soto yeah I mean it's it's there seems like there's only a few teams that are willing to spend money and none of them are on the East Coast and well, actually the Mets are and the Yankees always but I, I know that so the argument for it and that the Nats made is is less it's more it's less the money specifically and more that hey we gave him what would have been the highest contracts ever and he didn't sign and made no indication that he was going to resign so we might as well get some value and I get that but he also was going to be here for two and a half here DC ETC for two and a half more years you could get a better team around him by that point you could figure out hey we can come closer to money at that point the learners are selling the team. The new owners might be like, all right, we're going to make a big splash. We'll up the ante a little bit, you know. So Richard Justice, who is a longtime MLB reporter, made this point that, yes, sometimes a rebuild can work for the success of the team and it can be tough. Yeah. But also it's really tough on the trust of the fans because you get, like the Nats have lost all these stars over the years. Rendon, Trey Har Turner, Harper, Scherzer, Harper. Hey. You gotta wonder, do you think Trent Turner regrets making that video where he's kicking the the Anthony Rendon t-shirt? Oh, I don't I don't remember that. He did that? Yeah. After like Rendon after, signed with the Angels? After Rendon signed with the Angels, he pulled out a Tony Two Bag shirt, dropped it on the floor, and kicked it. And he's like recording himself doing this whole thing. Do you think Trey Turner's apologized to Anthony Rendon? I hope he would. Because it's a business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like You know, I understand the concept of loyalty, but like Sports are sports at that level are a business, and yeah. you have but so long to make money, and you need to make as money you need to make as much of it as quickly 100%. as possible. Yeah. So like you know, That's, anybody who thinks that athletes are paid too much, you know, maybe, yeah. but it's not government funds. So like, I really don't care. Well, and also there, it's entertainment. It's well, what the market will bear. Well, and and there's also a difference between just getting a big contract and doing what a lot of the NBA guys have been doing, which is demand a contract, get a contract, and then just refuse to honor the contract. KD. Kyrie. Kyrie. James Harden in the past. Yeah. You know, all three happen to be on the same team at one time, which is really fucking funny. Absolutely hysterical. Fucking hilarious. Absolutely hysterical. <laughs> the, player, 
uh, LeBron James ushered in the player empowerment era, and yeah. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have probably single-handedly killed it. Yeah. Or not single-handedly, but... Uh, they're tr- yeah, not single-handedly, but they are the, they're steering the ship. In tandem, they are killing it. They are. They see the iceberg, and they go, ah, we don't have to worry about that iceberg. Yeah, we'll take it out. We'll take it head on. Yeah, you know, Kevin Durant allegedly was in London meeting with Joe Sy and other mm-hmm. representatives from the, the Nets and said it's either me and Kyrie or Steve Nash and Sean Marks. Yeah. And Sai came out and said, "Okay. Well, I'll I'll keep them." Yeah. Bye. <laughs> like I mean, not bye because he's still got to trade him because Kevin Durant sold a contract for four more years. Exactly. That's the thing. KD's just Ben, Sim- ben Simmons, by the way, also now plays on that's a prime example of the contract thing that I forgot about. Ben Simmons, I think is a different situation. Interesting. I think Simmons Simmons made it clear that he no longer wanted to play in Philly, and I think rightfully so, the way that Doc and Joel have fallen out with him pretty publicly. Um, You know, there's... Is Simmons a bit childish? Certainly. Do I think Simmons has more reason to be upset with people than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Absolutely. That's fair. Okay, that's interesting. You know, I don't I don't think I don't think Ben is entirely in the right, but I think he's more less, in the right. I think he's less in the wrong than Kevin and Kyrie. I, I, I might actually be inclined to agree with that. Um it's a shades of gray thing. It is. It's not a binary. Yeah, Kyrie, shades of gray. Kyrie again without having to de- go too too deep in the hole, you know I just I, I really am not a fan of his personality and just sort of like Kyrie Irving is a prime example of why we need to be more athlete. We need to be more academically rigorous with athletes. Well, the crazy thing is too, Kyrie doesn't fit the mold of a the stereotypical mold of a either a dumb jock, whatever stereotype you have of athletes. Either they came up without money or they're just dumb jocks, whatever. Like yeah. Kyrie's dad was a teacher yeah. at Duke. Kyrie went to Duke. Yeah. They read, I mean. Technically went to Duke. He went. He technically went. To Duke. He 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 was in. He was on the campus at some yeah, point. Yeah, he was enrolled at Duke. Did he, he, he get into classes? Yes. <laughs> Who's to say, really? Uh, a little sketchy in that part. So Kyrie had an uh, had a background where he could have the resources for an education. And he just chose to be. He just chose to. Be that's where I'm also like, all right, man. Like I get that not everyone has the same resources that David and I had, where we had good public school system. I mean, you went to a private high school, but like we had good school systems to go to, and. Yeah. You know, Kyrie also had that same luxury. He just chose to be a weird conspiracy theorist. He chose to be a dipshit. <laughs> and also just a, and also a dick. He's just a dick. Yeah. Um, in from what I could see, we don't know anyone's personality, but um, yeah. So the the Dude, next the thing is facing persona is one of a one of a dick. Yes, that's that's fair to say. Yes, whether he's like that in real life or it's an act, we don't know him personally. Uh, but based based purely on his public persona, I would agree he is. The English would call him a bellend. A what? A bell end. What does that mean? Think about the tip of your dick. I think about it often. <laughs> I'm calling Kyrie a dickhead. Gotcha. Doing it more elegantly. Fair enough. I wanted to also address with David, and as we get older, uh, me being 30, yeah, I'll say it. I'm not afraid to say it. Finally. Yeah. I know it took me a while to come to grips with it, but I'm 30, all right? You know? And David being older than me. Uh, we have to deal with the reality of life sometimes. And there was an, an unfortunate injury on the baseball diamond the other day, and I did tell David about this before we went on the air. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays pitching coach Kyle Snyder was going out to talk to his pitcher mm-hmm. about, you know, hey, we need you to make this pitch, that pitch. And while walking to the mound, uh, Kyle Snyder suffered an injury, pulled a calf muscle. <laughs> 
Baseball players like, are also prone to some of the stupidest injuries yeah. and the most ridiculous. Well, that players. what's funny is Kyle Snyder is six eight and was a former pitcher. He's not he's not your stereotypical fat lumbering guy coming yeah. out of the dugout. So Big even a machine. Yeah. So I want to ask David. What's the weirdest injury he can ever remember having? Okay, so I think the wildest one was, was it, so a Redskins player who was on crutches and s- slipped on a kid's toy. Slipped on one of his kids' toys. I think it was D'Angelo Hall, even. <laughs> I'm unfortunately unable to find this uh, this story. NFL player slips on toy. It might have been an NBA player. There's a DC. There was a DC athlete who like injured and re he aggravated an injury by slipping on a toy. That has got to be a weird like. That's that's just got to be unfortunate because it, it, there's no cool way to explain how you got hurt to the team doctor saying yeah no I, I slipped on a <laughs> I slipped on a kid's toy. Um, I used to think growing up, and actually a lot of players used to get mocked for um, slipping on or hurting their, themselves sneezing. Mm. But as I've gotten older and with my bad lower back, I now empathize with that because sneezing is a violent, just sudden motion where you don't really move around a lot. So um, the worst injury I ever had, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I threw up my back years ago deadlifting, and I'm not even much of a deadlifter. Um, I think leg days for chumps, upper body only. It's, it's what the ladies love. And I was just dead. It was Christmas Eve. I worked at the gym at the time at 24 Here we Hour go. Fitness. Okay, hold on. Rangers pitcher James Jones tore his patella tendon and is out for over a year after tripping over his kids' toys in, clo- in quarantine. This is according to Barstool Sports. Okay, that's what it was. Okay. I mean, telling your, tearing your. It's not even. It's also not like spraining an ankle, slipping on a kid. So you tell yeah. your patella tear, yeah, you play tearing, a tearing a tendon. Yeah. That's probably one of the weirder. Oh, I remember we did this on the air in, in Parkersburg. Because I will tell you the wildest one that I saw personally was junior year. It was the end of the school year. We were having a dodgeball tournament, and I was on a team made up of a bunch of swimmers, and we ended up playing. The football team. <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> we got walloped. Absolutely Cannot imagine. <laughs> the kid who was our star running back goes up and like chest bumps a guy to celebrate, and then he comes down weird. One of his leg, one of his feet lands oh. on a ball, and pop, his knee just oh totally dislocates it. And it was someone on the team, on your team. It, no, it was the star running oh, back. Oh, gotcha. I was, it was oh, the star oh, oh, my God. <laughs> How did you hurt yourself? Well, I was celebrating beating up on a bunch of swimmers. Yeah, and, uh, like dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, too. So I think that's that's the wildest, silliest one I've ever seen in person. Oh, that, so the we did a list of like weird injuries back in Parkersburg for a similar story of like a weird injury. I don't remember what the injury was. Mm-hmm. Might have been the Madison Bumgarner injury. No, it might it might have been where Madison Bumgarner hurt himself hurt like on his ranch. He also oh, yeah. hurt himself riding an ATV, but that's yeah. more yeah. yeah. But the one that comes to mind is Glenn Allen Hill, who I think is most most famous for hitting like a 500 foot homer regular years ago. Yeah. Glenn Allen Hill terrified of spiders. So one night, Glenn Allen Hill is having nightmares about spiders, mm-hmm. and he wakes up instinctively and like runs around because he's so scared, and then steps through a glass 
table in his house and completely shreds his leg and is put on the 15-day deal. Jesus. (laughs) That is the worst. That's one of the worst injuries I've ever heard. Um, Myself, my worst injury was I threw up my lower back deadlifting on Christmas Eve after work where they closed down the gym and just a bunch of us were lifting. And again, I'm not much of a deadlifter, but I I was trying to get personal records for some reason. Um, End of the year, trying to see where you're at. Lesson lesson learned, uh, don't push yourself. Threw up my back completely, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. Went home and laid in bed for a bit, and then it was time to go to Christmas Eve Mass, and I got up, and I was like, oh, I can't move. Like, that really hurt. So then we go to Mass, and then, when you know, you remember back in the day, Christmas Eve Mass, you have to get there early and all this stuff. Nope. Okay. <laughs> we would get there. We, we get- were bad Catholics. We didn't go to Christmas Eve Mass. <laughs> okay. We would go to Christmas Eve Mass, uh, get there early so we can get seats, sat down for a while and stuff, and then when it was time to stand when church was over, I was like, or even stand, you know, when you stand during Mass, I was like, oh, I can't really stand up. I had to like hobble out, and then Christmas Eve night, I remember either, I think Christmas morning, I woke up and literally had to roll, it took me like 20 minutes to roll out of bed, mm-hmm. get to my bed, pull myself up with my arms, and walk. Uh, that lower back still hurts to this day. So, you know, uh, lesson learned again. Uh, I know we had uh, Wellen on the show. I know we had Jake on the show who will tell you to find your fitness goals. Don't find your fitness goals. Not lower body related. Just uh, lift arms. Ladies love arms. Just go for arms. Chicken legs. Chicken legs. Yeah. It's, a, it's an upper body business as, as has often been said. That's my worst and weirdest injury. For me, worst, weirdest injury. Um, I think the weirdest one was when I dislocated a traverse in my back. Which is a little like fly, the like butterfly wing looking thing. Oh so yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, dislocated one and then popped it back in, Oof. making a cut in for the ultimate. How long? How how? What were the? What was the impact of that? Uh, it just hurt to. It hurt to breathe for like an hour, but that was about it. Because I so I, you know, did the you know I planted and then turned my upper body, and then I felt a pop, Oof. called an injury, and then you know laid down. And then took a deep breath in and then just felt it sort of pop back into place. Oh, mm. that is rough. Yeah, it was it was unpleasant, but that's probably the worst of it. That, um, that, that actually reminds me. I mean, me. maybe the hematoma that I got, but that wasn't during that wasn't doing anything athletic. That was sitting on a tennis net, which was stupid. <laughs> we all did dumb things when we were young. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that reminds me, actually, when I was on the football team in high school... And we were just warming up. We weren't doing anything crazy. It was out of practice. Mm-hmm. This would have been my sophomore year because I was on the JV team. And I remember going in a line. I can't remember the name of the exercise, but like we're you know moving legs and stuff. And I all of a sudden feel a sharp pain in my back, and very quickly go, "Oh, I can't breathe." And I swear to God, there was a few seconds. There were a few seconds where I thought, "Oh, I'm gonna die. Like I cannot breathe." I had such bad back spasms that they brought me to the trainer's room mm-hmm. and they have like electro tens unit mm-hmm. yeah. to and, and normally it's supposed to like help you're supposed to feel it it's supposed to get some relief there and they were turning up to the highest level and i could not feel anything like terrible back spasms um i also was heavier in those days so it's a little more it's, it's a little more understandable than the deadlifting injury where i was in pretty good shape and was just being an, an idiot who was yeah. going too hard um but yeah, now that I'm 30, uh, I have to worry more about routine injuries affecting my daily impact mm-hmm. of life. Yeah. Oh, trust me, I uh, the soreness from the soreness for tournaments lasts that you know that extra extra day. Um, 
I've really start, embraced uh, ice baths after tournaments anymore. I've heard they're great. I, they're so good. Yeah. I think that's something i got to get more into. All um, you got to do is get, you get two bags of ice, and you sit for like 15 minutes. Yeah. And again, it's supposed to really just shock your uh, metabolism, for one thing. Mm-hmm. But also just, again, the, the, a lot of the athletes do that cryogenic tube, frozen yeah. freezer thing. Because that's... I don't know if the cryo works that much better than an ice bath, to be completely honest gotcha. with you. Yeah. Because it's one of those like diminishing returns. Yeah. And, but it's what it's... Because to that point, it's supposed to basically trick your body into recovering quicker because it's supposed yeah. to go into yeah. fight or flight, yeah. I, I believe. is the. I, I'm sure there's a more scientific yeah. reason for it, but that's the basic thing of it. Yeah, I haven't done either of those. Uh, I, I haven't taken... I don't know if I... I don't think I ever took an ice bath when I was playing football. Um... But I would like to at some point just see if I could. Uh, but we shall see. Yeah, I'm, I'm now worried genuinely about getting older and being like, oh man, I just will get injured doing things now. Yeah. Um, I also have only sprained my ankle once, but the amount of, I don't know if you've had this happen where you roll your ankle and then don't sprain your ankle. I'm like, whew, that was a close one. Yeah, it happens, it happens a lot with, um, not for me, uh, it gets sort of the, the turf monster. It's yeah. with uh, turf that's not well maintained, mm-hmm. where like the, the the beads are sort of inconsistent. So you have yeah. weird, clunks and weird yeah. patches, uh, and then also um, really ruddy fields, um, which unfortunately there are a lot of those. So got to be careful. Got to be careful. Um, before we go, I want to give one more shout out to another uh, deceased icon in sports, Vince Scully, who. Oh, yeah. Voice of an voice of a generation. Uh, I mean, voice of a sport. He's the Truly. he's the you know. He's so, the quintessential base the, the quintessential baseball guy. I mean, even as a Giants fan, I would often watch Dodger games just to listen to him. And I always said that the craziest thing was he started calling games for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1950. Mm-hmm. And until 2016, he was calling baseball games longer than my father had been alive because my yeah. dad was born in 1952. Yeah, I and mean, he's the he's the sort of voice inspiration for Brockmeyer. Yeah, in a way, he kind of is. I think Hank Azaria sort of thought, like, what if announcers sort of took their announcing voice and just were like that every 24-7? And even on The Simpsons, Harry Shear did, like, a dead-on Vince Scully, and it leads to some amazing... I'm sure I'll throw something in of, like, just an amazing Vince Scully impression. And here come the pretzels. I don't know. It's, It's... It is a part of life where you, you grow up with these figures and they start to go. But it's also, you know, Vince Scully was 94. He lived a great life. Yeah. He, he loved every second no of life. No one's surprised, but people can yeah. still be sad. Yeah. I got to be honest, actually. So I found out at work. Someone yeah. had mentioned, who didn't, is like, I heard, oh, it just came across the wire that Vince Scully died. I just kind of, I was like, whoa. And then I was like, why am I surprised that a 94-year-old had died? And I guess it's because Vin was always looking healthy for a 94-year-old. Yeah. He's still, 90, he's still 94. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, like... Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got the the lowest stress job imaginable. Yeah, that's, Vin always he says that. Half the year. Yeah, Vin always said that. He he said he I get to travel call. for road games. Yeah, but yeah, his last fifteen years at least, he really he didn't travel for many road games. It was, you know, he lived in a gated community. It was a fifty minute drive. Well, 50, 50 minute drive in L.A. Whatever, you know, could yeah. be an hour thirty. But you know, he had a driver by that point. Like Vin, Vin always said he had the, the driver best. He probably didn't even pay for. It. Yeah. I'm sure the team, team, because they're like, you're Vin Scully. We'll you're give Vin you a driver. Fucking Scully. You're Vin fucking Scully. And he, he would always say, I have the best job. 
I, I loved what he did. He loved the people. He loved the city. And uh, it is sad, but also, I think, to that point, more of a, a jovial, like, hey, man, he got to live to 94. He lived to 94. If either of us lived, lived to be... a charmed life. If, we, if either of us lived to be 94, I'm certainly on that path, given my lack of interesting lifestyle. Um, you know, we'll, we'll both be happy for it. Um, we'll also still be doing the podcast when we're 94. Definitely. You can keep our word. At 94, we'll still be do, we'll be doing episode 3200 of Underemployed, and it'll be marvelous. At this rate, probably about that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, we hope that you you people, the dependents, are enjoying your summer. Uh, we also hope you dependents are like us and looking forward to the fall more than the summer because yeah. we are both. I mean, I know what I'm looking forward to in the fall. What's that? Uh, NBA preseason, so we can see what the hell's going on with the Lakers. God. You know, I'm, we'll save that for another episode. Because we don't need to talk about the, the storm that is the Lakers. We just don't. I, I'm going to end on a positive note. The Lakers have won 17 NBA titles. Glorious franchise. They are what we all aspire to be in life. Successful, regal, honored. And I hope you people find that in your life, too. Uh, the mm. Premier League season just started last weekend. And, uh, you know. We're going to see what happens. It's going to be an interesting yeah. season. I am interested to see what all the sports seasons happen in the fall. So that'll be, we will catch up on that because we have not been doing our sports updates as much, much to Bethany Chagrin because she loves our sports stuff. She absolutely does. Sports, sports fanatic, that so, one. So get your pom-poms, get your number one foam fingers, get your beer because sports are a coming. And we hope that you people enjoy the rest of your summer and stay hydrated. Who's ready for another season of mediocre football? Woo! Go Jags, baby. You know, they're not even gonna they're not even gonna get five wins this year. Well but you know what? You know who could help push them over the hump? Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. Urban fucking Meyer. Alright, everybody be safe. 100%. Be safe, everybody. We miss you, Urban. You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now, all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem life seems a faithful friend to share, for every sigh a sweet song and an answer for each prayer. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, oh, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be.